We're continuing our series on the heart. We'll be wrapping it up next week. But the Bible has a whole lot to say about the heart. In fact, there are over 800 verses of Scripture that have to do with the heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's quite a different view than what the world has of the heart. They're always talking about, oh, just follow your heart. Here's what the Bible says. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. That is the condition of a human heart apart from the saving grace of God. You know, the heart in our day and time is used as a symbol of love. Yes, I, I think it's one of those, what do you call it, emoji, you know? You put that little heart symbol, that means love. I want to tell you something about the heart. It's fickle. Uh-huh. One guy received this letter. Dear John, I made a terrible mistake. I've been a- unable to sleep since I broke off our engagement. No one could take your place. Please forgive me. I was a fool. I want you back. All my love, Belinda. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah. They say the heart wants what the heart wants, but I will tell you, the heart can be good or bad. It can believe or it can doubt. It can love, but it can also hate. The heart can be right and it can be oh so wrong. Mm-hmm. When the scripture speaks of the heart, It's speaking of that place where your inner thoughts, attitudes, feelings, desires, and ultimately your choices and decisions are made. All of that comes from the heart. Who we are, the kind of person we are, the life we live, the things we do, and even the words that come out of our mouth, they all start in the heart. It's a funny thing sometimes people say, Oh, well, you know, I, didn't, I did bad. I said the wrong thing, but, but the Lord knows my heart. Listen, it all came out of your heart, all right? And yes, he does know our hearts better than we ourselves. Remember what we read there, Jeremiah? The heart's deceitful. It can fool you. But the Lord can change our lives, and one of the ways that he does that is through his word, getting down into our hearts. And then it changes the outflow of our life. Jesus tells us a parable about four types of hearts and how they respond to the word of God. And we're going to read it from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. I'm reading it from the NIV. It just reads a little simpler. It says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Then in verses 11 through 15, he explains the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Now, some people think that the parable means that only 25% are going to produce a crop. He never tells us what the percentage is. It might be just a few of this one or a whole lot of this one. We don't really know. We just know there's four types of hearts that he talks about here. David, though, said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And I want you to understand that Jesus was not condemning us to having one kind of heart or the other. You see, you might have a hard heart. I want you to know that God can soften your heart. Listen, you might have a heart that's full of weeds. Jesus can help you do a little weeding. Some of us need to do some weeding tonight. But I'm just telling you that God can change your heart. Jesus wasn't telling us this to condemn us that, well, that's the way you are. No, I believe that he was showing us how we could have a good and noble heart. In Ezekiel 36 and 26, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So I want you to know the Lord can do a work in your heart. He can absolutely change you. When Jesus told this parable, I think that he showed us that the word does not produce a harvest in every life. But he is showing us that if we have a good heart, that it will produce that harvest. Jesus said the seed is the word of God. The first type of heart we talked about is the hard heart, those that hear the word of God. But their heart is like the soil on a beaten path. The seed never even penetrates at all. They're not receptive to the word. It's through sin and unbelief. It might be hurts and disappointments in their life, but their heart has become hard and the word, the seed of the word, just can't get into their heart. The deceitfulness of sin. It'll harden your heart. It'll take you one step and then another step and then another step. Pastor Jonathan talked about this Sunday morning until your conscience is seared. You just get a little harder and a little harder and just to the point where they're not receptive at all to the word of God. Unbelief will harden your heart. You know, it's when people get to the place where they hear the word, but they just say, no, I don't believe that. And they just reject it outright. That's a hard heart. Hurts will harden your heart. It'll make you calloused and bitter if you don't allow the Lord to heal those hurts. I want you to know there's a lot of people in this world, they got, they got a heart that's been trampled on and their heart has become hard. But Jesus can change that. He can heal those hurts. He can make that heart soft again. We talked about that shallow heart. The seed is readily received, Jesus said, but then when the times of testing come, they fall away because they have no roots. See, without roots, our faith fails. Our commitment is compromised. And the seed of the word never produces a crop 
in our life. Shallow hearts are those with shallow devotional lives, shallow commitment, shallow faith, shallow love. Jesus says in the difficult times, they're going to fall away. You see, it doesn't matter what the seed is from the word of God, whatever it is talking about, you see, in that area of our life, if we're shallow, it's not going to produce a harvest. No, you just keep being the same. Might change for a little while, but if the commitment's not there, you'll go back to the same old way. Today, we're going to talk about the mixed heart. Some seed fell among thorns. This is seed that gets mixed in with other things. Jesus mentions three specific areas. He talks about life's worries, riches, and pleasure. Now, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be other things, but we're going to primarily focus on the three that Jesus mentions. But the mixed heart is really a mixed-up heart. They want to serve God. They want to be committed. They want to believe God. But their hearts have other things in there that's choking it out, keeping it from bringing the harvest that it should. In the Gospel of Mark, the Scripture says it this way, Mark 4.19, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I wanted to read it from Mark's Gospel because it just gives us a little bit of clarity. We need to see that it is not that Money or pleasure or evil. No, the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it's not the money itself. And all pleasure is not evil. Psalm 1611 tells us that at his right hand, there's pleasures evermore. But there are pleasures that are sin. And any pleasure that we put before the Lord becomes sin. But the first thing he mentions that will choke out the word are the worries of this life. Now, hear me now. Jesus taught this. That worries of this life will choke out the the seed of the word of God, rendering it unfruitful in your life. Oh, it'll spring up, it'll grow, but those worries are like seeds that grow weeds and it will choke out what the word of the Lord would have produced in your life. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. See, we hear the seed of the word of God and what happens? Faith comes. Faith is so important. Without faith, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please him. Faith is how we appropriate the promises of God. Faith is what God, how God brings his power into this world. It's when somebody believes. Faith is the key to answered prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive, you will have them. Faith is so important. In our relationship with God, seeing the promises of God fulfilled in our life, us living out the plan and purpose of God in our life. Faith is so important. 
Where does it come from? It comes from the seed of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. But what happens when you get a seed of worry in there and you get seeds of doubt and fear and unbelief? All the promises that are available to us and the blessings that are ours in Christ, it's all available to us by faith. But when we have worry in our hearts, it chokes it out. It keeps us from receiving those blessings, the miracles that God would do in our lives. See, when you're believing God, you have to decide that you're not going to entertain doubts and fears and worries. Now, I say entertain because here's the thing. All of us have negative thoughts pop into our head. All of us live in a real world where there's circumstances that will cause those doubts to come, but you don't have to entertain them. No, instead, you can give them the boot. Instead, you can decide that you're going to think on God's word, that you're going to believe God instead because that worry will undermine your faith. It will choke out the faith, the faith the seed of the word of God had produced in you. So we're going to go back to Mark 11. We read verse 24. I want to back up a couple of verses to 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Anybody believe that Jesus tells you to do things you can't do? I hope not. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever or whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Where? In his heart. Not in his head, it's in his heart. You need to realize that all this starts in the heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. We need to get the doubt out. It's with the heart that we believe. It is a choice that we make. We choose to believe and we choose not to worry. I'm going to say it again. Worry is a seed that's going to produce a weed of doubt, and unbelief and fear. When you decide to accept those negative thoughts, all of us have them come. But you see, when you accept that, that's unbelief, that's doubt, that's when fear gets in. You got to decide, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to entertain that. Don't let that get down in your heart. It'll choke out the seed of the word of God. Here's what worry is. I mean, plain and simple. It's thinking negative thoughts over and over and over again. You know, the Bible talks a number of times about meditating the scripture. And some people get, a, you know, some weird Eastern religion kind of idea about what that is because we don't use that word very much. But it's just talking about going over it and over it and over it 
See, just like you worry and you replay all those negative scenarios and what if this happens and what if that happens and oh my, what am I going to do? Instead, you're going over and over the word. You're thinking, here's the promise of God and this is what God says about this and I'm believing this. You get your mind on that and you just start going it over and over and over it. But you decide, have faith in God. I'll tell you this. Worry will keep you from good things that the Lord wants to do in and through your life because it chokes out the seed of the word of God. And it really is a choice. I know that sometimes, oh, believe me how well I know, that sometimes it seems like you just can't stop laying in the bed at 3.30 in the morning thinking about this. Oh, man, I'm not going to think about that anymore. And now you're thinking about this, and you're going over this and going, oh, man. But here's what I know. Jesus doesn't tell me to do things that I can't do. And he doesn't tell me not to do things that I can't avoid. And Jesus tells us three times in Matthew chapter 6 alone, do not worry. Matthew 6, 31 is one of them. Do not worry. In the King James Version, it actually says, take no thought. We're not even supposed to think about that. Now, he was telling them, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear, the necessities of life. And he's saying, don't even think about it. And some of us, we're worried about all kinds of junk. Jesus says, "Don't, don't even think about it. Don't worry. Don't play that over and over. What are we going to do? It's a choice. People always want to act like they can't help it. Oh, I'm just a worrier. Well, God wants to deliver you. You need to get free from that. What a, what a horrible burden. How much strength? That'll make you old. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things in this world that we don't have any control over. That's why we worry. Here's the thing that we do have control over. Our own mind. I mean, if you don't have control over your own mind, you're in a world of trouble. And we can decide whether we're going to think about all the negative scenarios and what ifs, or we can decide that we're going to think about a God who can do anything. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts thee. You see, we, we just got to get our mind on God. We got to fill our minds with the word and just make up our mind that we're not going to allow that worry and fear and doubt. Jesus said the worries of this life, it'll choke out the seed of the word of God. I'm telling you, the promises, the principles of this book are so powerful Why don't we see more of of the miracles and the blessings of God happening in the people of God? Because things like this, the seed of worry is choking it out. The faith is weak. There's too much doubt and unbelief because of the worries of this life. So what do you do when you can't stop thinking about that situation? Well, first of all, Just change what you're thinking about. Change change what you think about that situation. 
Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I believe my God shall supply all my needs. My God, he's my God. He's my provider. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to worry. I'm trusting God. Whoa, now there's this big unexpected expense. The car broke down or the AC went out, whatever. Now what am I going to do? Oh, no, what if? And My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You don't allow that worry to even start. Don't let that seed get in there. Instead, you keep your mind on the word of God. And I'll tell you, sometimes sometimes you just need to move off of that situation altogether and start thinking about other things and the blessings of the Lord and you know, get your mind on somebody that's way worse off than you. Pray for somebody. But you can't allow yourself to start worrying. The seed of the word of God is choked out by the worries of this life. That's what Jesus said. Some people act like worry is no big deal, you know, no harm. But it will kill the word of God working in you. It'll stop you from being Christ-like. Don't you know when people are really worried and upset, they're usually not very kind or patient or loving. They're not really ready to minister to other people. They're not thinking about other people. They're thinking about their problems and all the negatives. What if? And I'm worried. So they're not thinking about other people. The truth is, well, See, I, I can talk about this because I know how this works. Well, I'm sorry, but I just got a lot on my mind right now. Just can't act like Jesus right now. That's what worry will do to you. Make you short and ugly with people. If you're worrying about your finances, your children, your health... It'll choke out the word. I didn't say those things aren't important. But you're not going to make any of it any better by worrying. In fact, you're going to make it worse. The truth is, is that when we worry, we keep the situation from getting better because the worrying is choking out our belief. And here's what will help the situation is when we believe we pray and we, that works. Right. Worry doesn't work. I know it's hard sometimes not to worry about your kid. There's a lot of things in this life we can worry about. Just remember this. Worry doesn't help. It undermines faith. But when we stand on the word of God in faith, that helps. Amen. Next, Jesus mentions riches, the deceitfulness of riches. What is so deceitful about riches is that we think that they will satisfy. We think that riches can solve the problem. 
or we think that riches can take care of us, that somehow that riches are the answer. But in the end, the deceitfulness of riches will choke out the word of God. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. I want to tell you godliness with contentment is better than a million dollars. Now some of you are thinking, I'll take the million. I'm going to just go on out here, way on out here. Godliness with contentment is better than a billion dollars. There are a lot of billionaires in this world today that are not content and they are not happy. I'd rather have godliness with contentment. That's great gain. See, you got that, you got everything that you need. But you can have a trillion dollars and still not be happy. And it's still never enough. That's the deceitfulness of riches. Just a little more, just a little more and I'll be happy. Just a little more. That's what billionaires think. It's also what poor people think. Just a little more and I'll be happy. That's what the middle class think. Just a little more. That's the deceitfulness of riches. Verse 7 says, we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. (laughs) Oh, man. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be poor. I believe the Lord blesses his people in every way. That he gives us richly all things to enjoy. He's my provider. He supplies all my needs. No good will he... Will he withhold nothing good? Will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? But I also know that if we're running after money, it will mess us up. If we're looking to money to solve our problems, if we think a little more is going to make us happy, we have succumbed to the deceitfulness of riches and it chokes out the seed of the Word of God. This is one way to think about contentment and this idea of a little more and a little more. There are people right now that are where you want to be financially, they're not any happier than you are. And there are people who think if they were where you are, they could be happy. The deceitfulness of riches. Verse 9. I'm going to ask you a question first, all right? Don't answer out loud. This is a rhetorical question. Do you desire to be rich? Oh, there are so many who do. Some who do so in the name of Jesus. I didn't say there's anything wrong with being rich. In fact, you see that in this passage. But listen to what he says. Those who desire to be rich fallen to temptation and a snare. I didn't write this stuff. Listen, when you preach the Bible, it makes some people mad. I'm talking about believers. I didn't write this. This is an Old Testament. This isn't what you hear in the pop theology of the day. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
Money just makes a terrible God. It will burden you. It will stress you. It will enslave you. But it will not give you joy. It won't give you peace. And it won't give you fulfillment. It will tell you it will. But that's the deceitfulness of riches. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not bad to have money. It's the love of money. It's when you try to put your trust in money. And that's when it brings all kinds of evil into your life. I want to drop down to verse 17 of the same chapter. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich, they need to be poor. No, that's not what it says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Jesus said the pleasures of this life. Moving on. Number three. Jesus said the pleasures of this life can be a weed that chokes out the word of God. I want you to know something. Pleasure is good. I mentioned it earlier, but Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. Pleasure is something that God created. It's not a bad thing. It's good when it's in his will. But the world around us lives for pleasure. And if we allow that attitude to get in us, it'll choke out the word. The Bible tells us in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, 4, that men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And if, in fact, if there's anything that people put as a God even more than money in our generation, it's pleasure. We live in the most affluent generation in history and we have the most opportunity and time for pleasure of any time in history. We got to make sure that we really love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You see, some hear the word but then it gets choked out by their hobbies, by their leisure time, by their pleasures. Now, I'm going to say this real simple. There are some pleasures that are a sin. There are also some pleasures that in and of themselves are not a sin. They can even be a good thing. And there's not anything wrong with some of those things. I mean, fishing is good. Come on. Football's good. Hunting is good. Y'all are way too quiet. And if I, if I would have said hunting is good when I pastored in rural Oklahoma, they would have jumped up shouting hallelujah. I mean, the first Sunday of deer season, there were like three of us in church. It wasn't just the men that went. The women and teenagers went too. Never forget looking in the, the local paper one day. They listed out everybody who shot a deer and turned in their tag and the, the weight of their deer. And one of the 16-year-old girls in the church there shot a 26-pound deer. She shot Bambi. 26 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Anyway... 
There's nothing wrong with going shopping, ladies. They call it retail therapy. Makes you feel good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a lot of those kinds of activities. But here's the thing. We live in a day and a time when people are so busy, they don't really have time for much of a devotional life. They don't really have time hardly to go to church, much less to get involved in the work of the ministry and be involved in what God is doing today. That's being a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. praying for me. (laughs) Oh, there's so many pleasures in this life. I tell you, the Lord is not against us enjoying life. And Jesus came to give us an abundant life. But we got to keep those things in proper perspective and not allow it to choke out the seed of the word of God. How often people miss what God wants to do because they were so busy with what they wanted to do. Pleasures can choke out your calling and purpose. A lot of people who sincerely say, I want to do something for the Lord, but they just can't seem to work it out in their schedule. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, the NIV says it this way. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. And I want to tell you so often that's the way it is. And not just with the pleasures of sin, but just the pleasures of life that I'm talking about here. You know, they only last a short time. I mean, they only last as long as whatever you're doing gives you the pleasure of the moment. And when it's over, it's over. There's nothing left. But Moses chose not to go after the pleasures of the world. And he had every opportunity growing up in Pharaoh's household. But he chose not to go that way. Instead, he chose to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God in his life. And I want you to understand something. You see, when we put God first and we go after the plan and purpose of God in our life, we find lasting pleasures. We we find a pleasure that's still there when you put your head on the pillow. You you find a pleasure. It's just this fulfillment that's with you all the time when when you're really fulfilling the call and, and purpose of God in your life. It's something that just lasts. We'll get to that again a little bit later, but he calls these three things, he compares them to weeds, weeds that grew up with the seed of the word of God and they choked it out. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and pleasures. Is your your fruitfulness being hindered by weeds? Some of us need to do some weed pulling. You know what? There's a job I never liked. Mama sent me out in the yard to pull weeds. That ain't no fun. She's just trying to get me out of the house. 
But you know what's even worse? When you're talking about trying to get weeds out of your heart. But you sure will like the results. You know, when you plant a field, you got to have good seed. Seed that will bear fruit. But you also want to be sure that you don't get any trash seed mixed in with it. That's right. Listen, if you've got a garden, you can't just go out into the, you know, in the backyard there. You want to have a garden, and so you just poke a little hole and stick a, a seed down in the ground. That's not going to work. First thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to prepare that soil. You're going to have to get all that other stuff out of there. And then guess what? You're not just going to walk away and come back when the fruit's ready or when the vegetables are ready. You hear what I'm saying? You're going to have to maintain it. You'll have to keep the weeds out. It's the same with our heart. We can't get junk seed in our heart and expect to have a good harvest. Out of the abundance of the heart is the outflow of our life. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. The New King James says, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So you've got to stand guard over your heart. You've got to decide what gets in your heart. Worry, the deceitfulness of riches, and chasing after pleasure, I tell you, it will choke out the word of God in your life. So... What other seeds are being sown in your heart? You need to be able to take an honest look at our lives and see if there are areas of our life where we're not really living out the word of God. We're not really experiencing the blessing of God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we do a little searching in our heart to see if there's some areas that need to change. We've got to guard our heart, stand guard over it. One of the ways we do that is by being careful about what we put before our eyes. Psalm 101, verse 2 and 3, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. A perfect heart. How are you going to do that? I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Listen, these guys didn't even have TV and internet. Look what we got to deal with. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Because here's the thing, what you put before your eyes can get down in your heart. And it will affect your thoughts, your feelings, your words, your actions, all of it. As much as is possible, you got to be careful about what you put before your eyes. you got to be careful about what you listen to. The seed of the word of God was sown when people heard the word. Guess what? When you hear other stuff, a lot of the time, seeds are going to get down in your heart. you got to be careful about what you listen to. You know, you hear a bad report enough times, it'll undermine the faith in your heart. I can't believe how many Christians listen to negative garbage stuff and read negative garbage stuff on social media all day long and then just go parrot it. You want to parrot something, you parrot the word of God. You talk about what God says. Quit, quit talking about all this horrible stuff. Did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know it's, it's The whole world's going to hell in the handbasket. That's not what the Bible says. 
who you spend time with and allow to speak into your life, I'm telling you, they will plant seeds in your heart. Oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm smart. I'm wise. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. What happened to him? How did his heart get turned away from the Lord? How could that happen? Because he married wives who worshipped other gods. And they turned his heart away from the Lord. He couldn't handle it. Why do some of us think we can always handle it? You need to be careful about who you hang out with and who you listen to. Proverbs 26, 22, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. They go down into the, listen, inmost body. When you listen to a gossip, that stuff gets down in your heart. You listen to a gossip very long, I tell you, you become one. You start repeating what they said. It gets down in your heart. Sooner or later, it starts coming out of your mouth. One of the most powerful things about music is it's just like a, a window into the soul. And this is true with worship and, and Christian music. It's also true with the world's music that it has a way, you know, it, it, it affects the mind your thoughts, it affects your emotions, it stirs your soul. And it's so much so that a lot of us who are old, we can remember the words to songs that we heard in the 60s. 60 years ago, 55 years ago, 50 years ago, easy. I can tell you the words to all kinds of songs from 50 years ago. Songs that I haven't sung in 50 years and I can still tell you the words. It's so powerful. And yet a lot of people are so foolish about the things they listen to. You're putting seeds inside. So what kind of seeds are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to some good Christian music, but you know I'm listening to a little of this and a little of that. You got a mixed heart because you're putting in mixed seed. Man. I need a whole lot more help because I'm way out there. I know that what I'm preaching, I, some of you are like, what? That's right. A good man, Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. What you store up, continue and choose to look at and listen to and think about, I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's going to show in your life. You know, it works with good things. Psalm 119, verse 11, the psalmist says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, he just keeps putting that good seed down in there because he knows it's going to help him to live right and do right. But you decide what you're going to keep in your heart. Bitterness is the result of an unguarded heart. Adultery is the result of an unguarded heart. Gossip is the result of an unguarded heart. Being judgmental and critical is the result of an unguarded heart. Pride is the result of an unguarded heart. You got to guard your heart. And don't allow anything negative or impure into your heart. You use the word of God to filter what you allow in your heart. 
It's 8.32 and I'm going to be done in three minutes. So y'all stay with me for three minutes. This is really important. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It judges. Oh, I don't believe in that. Don't believe in no judgment. The word of God judges the thoughts and the intents, the motives of your heart. You see, if we will read, study, meditate, think about the word of God, it will help us know what doesn't belong in our heart. It judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So you use the word of God to weed out your heart. You use the word of God, it will show you if there's things in your heart that, you know what, you're not really thinking right. You know what, you don't really have the right motive or the right attitude about that situation. The word of God can show you that. Use the word to get those old weeds out. James 4, 8, and Jonathan used this one Sunday. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, he, he doesn't want a mixed heart. He wants a pure heart. You know, in the scripture, pure means the same all the way through. Like if something's pure gold, that means there's nothing else in there but gold. Our hearts, if they're pure, they're not mixed. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now I want to tell you, the pure in heart are good soil for the word to produce a harvest of a blessed life that fulfills the purpose of God. So I encourage you tonight, do some weeding, get your heart right. Guard your heart. It's so important what you allow in your heart that you keep the weeds out so the word can produce in you what he sent it to do. Stand with me. I'm going to dismiss you in prayer.